Hi, this is Rajesh. Welcome to episode 12 of the Dharmapolis podcast. Hi, Smita. I thought for a change, I'll introduce the podcast. What do you think? Yeah, maybe that might do the trick. So India has responded. Surgical, strike, etc. Paint ka jawab surgical patthar se hota hai. I too woke up like, you know, with these chest thumping messages on WhatsApp with uh, images of the tricolor and Indian army, blah, blah, blah. And of course, the usual jokes about how Pakistan army being good for nothing. Yep. The Uncle G's strike again. They've, at least this time, they have something of national importance to send forwards on, uh, you know, before they go back to their usual sexist jokes and husbands and wives. I can't tell you how many Uncle G's are on my own WhatsApp group. <laughs> but I really have to wonder, you know, why is it that they're so obsessed with the idea of war? Like, why do they want to turn Bharat into Mahabharat? It's tough to say. And and this war has been ongoing ever since independence. So again, Except for a new addition to our nationalistic vocabulary, surgical strikes. I wonder what this is going to spiral into. You know, what was, what are we other liberals going to do? You know, it's interesting because those paying for Pakistan's blood have never lived through a war. Neither have I. And I definitely don't want to live through one. Well, I have lived through a couple of major riots in 84 um, and in Babri Masjid. And believe me, I don't like them either. But, you know, this time reports say that this was the first time that an LOC action had a lot of intelligence input. Yeah, that's because the Intelligence Bureau is usually busy deciding which NGO is anti-national in India. Ah, uh, we might be in that category too, maybe. Uh, but now that we are a nation of surgeons, perhaps we should reread Gandhi's thoughts on brute force and soul force. And it's time to move on to the home stretch of Indian home rule. At least on paper. Mm. So, the reader here is not convinced that love can help a nation. He believes that those doing evil will not cease without punishment. So we must go after those who wrong us. Yeah, Gandhi is once again on the topic of soul force or love force as opposed to brute force. And I think he's really perceptive here. Now, history, he says, is a record of wars. What are the lives of scores of ordinary people who are not kings and emperors? There's no account of them. Nothing in history for them. So, despite the warring princes and the kings, the people survived. And that is because of love, because of bhaichara, amity. Mm, amity University, perhaps. No. <laughs> the great man thinks that, though. And that the world is as it is, not because of wars, but in spite of it. You know, it's true that there's barely any record of peaceful times. One, I think it would be really boring storytelling for the historians to say... All was well between so-and-so date and so-and-so century, etc., etc. History then would have been a matter of a sentence or two. No one is making a star piece trilogy or, you know, it's not going to happen. But what is natural is boring. And life isn't a movie, is it? We aren't auditioning for the latest thriller. But what a reason to have wars, Rajesh, to spice up our lives. I mean, anyhow, this is the chapter coming back to Hinswaraj where... He elaborates on passive resistance. Yes, Gandhi Giri, as some would say today. Basically sacrificing the self to oppose something that goes against your conscience. A very uh, Christian outlook, huh? Because self-sacrifice and suffering seen as a noble thing. Indeed. Um, 
He makes a distinction though. You don't go opposing just about anything you disagree with, but that which is morally wrong. That moralizing streak once again. But is he saying just go ahead and break laws? No, 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 no. And that's exactly what the reader says to him. And he says that we as a nation are law-abiding means we are passive resistors. So basically those questioning the laws and the government's actions are passive resistors. As long as they are not being brutish and violent, yes. Hmm, interesting. And he makes a distinction there too though. Uh, that is, if you follow a law that is unjust, you're not just a law-abiding citizen, you're a slave. Indeed. And I wonder what before he would say today about Section 377 of the Indian Penal Code, a gift of the British that keeps on giving. I think that war and sex cover most of what's wrong in this world. Yeah, and Gandhi, Gandhi had some interesting and progressive ideas on democracy as well. He understands that the majority doesn't always mean right, for instance. Well, tell that to the nation today and you'll be sent across the border in any country, even in the country across the border. Yep. Canada and Pakistan calling. Um, so what makes a passive resistor? It's both very easy and highly difficult. Perfect chastity. Adopt poverty. Follow truth and cultivate fearlessness. Essentially be a monk. Mm, kind of hard. Another window into his troubled relation with his own sexuality for sure. Uh, this is the stuff you read and hear at quacks. Without chastity, you lose stamina, for God's sake. And if you don't have money, you don't have to worry of losing it. He also talks of truth and fearlessness, and that, I think, are the real foundations of passive resistance. The rest is the usual dhamic lens of looking at minimizing attachments. And I guess sexual attachments are things that he really struggled with. So truth and fearlessness are important to passive resistance. I understand that. But so is educating the Indian public, isn't it? But Gandhi isn't all in for the literacy mission. In Hindi, there's a saying, na, Pade Lekhe Bevkuf. So I think that that's what Gandhi thinks we are, uh, because he thinks that we are already the best. So a matter of equipping people with letters is not going to serve any purpose. But if we haven't quite succeeded in that either, the National Literacy Mission continues to date, and there are still people who are illiterate in the great country. Indeed. And I do think, though, that Gandhi has a point, and he was way ahead of the time. He doesn't understand the point of this universalized education system, which has little or no bearing on the real lives of people. So the ancient Gurukul system was the best? Is that what you or Gandhi said we should go back to? Because let's not even get into the details of how it was caste-based and didn't serve all the people. Indeed, and we can have lots of arguments about how caste-based it was. But nevertheless, speaking of serving the people, he takes a dig at the obsession with English education. Section 1 in Slave Making 101, apparently. I can see that. And that obsession continues. But he does go off on a rant on English, on how the educated in India are writing to each other in English, faulty or not. Best newspapers are printed in English. Best podcasts are conducted in English. Um, and as Salman Rushdie said, there is no good literature being written in Indian languages anymore in India. So... All the good novels are being written in English too, supposedly. And the lawyers, of course, have to know English. And the cases have to be fought and written out in English. So English is a symptom. 
of the disease of civilization as i mean you know there should be some symbols or something going on in the back here the disease of civilization but back to the evils of english gandhi thinks morality will have to be taught in the mother tongue and indian language now that's something i just don't get the words might differ the language might be different but the right and wrong the guilt and pleasure and good and bad are the same they don't follow languages true but i think his intention is good because he wants great english texts to be translated into indian languages and it's true that they will ensure a wider reach it's also interesting that gandhi talks of ethical studies but basically equates ethics with religion not wholly dissonant given that religion is the introduction of ethics to most people religious education and somehow i cannot come to terms with it <laughs> you know i had to take moral science in school and that was enough education for me but gandhi is prescient he predicts that india will never be without religion it's a very religious very deeply religious country so why pretend so he does call out the religious teachers and leaders on their hypocrisy though not nearly enough in my humble opinion but he goes back to his pet peeve drive out civilization go back to how we were and all will be well and that's so ironic isn't it where we are today what talking of gandhi today no talking of gandhi today with the aid of information technology and machines and global networks he would have wept but you know these machines these computers have actually made life better for at least some indians would he have changed his mind perhaps ah uh, no he wouldn't have he would have stuck to his point and he nevertheless recognizes that something that's already established can't be done away with it but the great wisdom would have been not to get started on it in the first place i think he's saying that we need to change our mindset we still think machines are by internet of things ka zamana hai yes and he ultimately believes that if you think something is good you will not make efforts to do away with it you know i have a feeling gandhi would be really upset with what's happening today brute force he says is not natural to indians but still right now we want the chhat chhat inch ki chhati and also petitioning is futile So the same extremist versus moderate debate the argument continues. He says, well actually he paraphrases something that makes a lot of sense today that anarchy under home rule is better than orderly foreign rule. That's definitely an interesting perspective to hold. It would be the more mature thing to do sort conflict out among each other rather than ask for arbitration which makes you vulnerable to another power. I think I want to go back to his original diagnosis that civilization is moving away from god. What about it? Well, does he really have a point there that there's something about religion that we are missing? Et to Rajesh, I mean, I know you're trying to become Shri to the power n, but I did not expect this line from you. No, seriously, Smita, aren't we called Dharmapolis for a reason? I mean I think the dharma comes before god and will live on even when there's no religion but I think what gandhi means by religion anyway is dharma mm. and as the taoists would say acting according to dharma is to follow the true way and not the way of the machine and I agree but what is this dharma do we have a blueprint so hinswaraj was meant to be gandhi's blueprint can we absorb the lessons of this book without becoming monks uh, and without trashing other civilizations well i don't know but i think we're going to try yeah and with that let's sign off with a jai hind jai hind swaraj